0: Daf Twenty One. A few really important topics today, uh, especially regarding cooking for a pet or cooking for a non-Jew um, on Yom Tov, uh, which we brought up yesterday, it's gonna come up a lot more on this stuff. And in general, dual use actions. Uh, so here we'll start off, this is a good example right at the beginning. So you have an animal that's jointly owned in partnership between a Jew and a non-Jew. And now you decide that you agree that we're, we're, you're going to do shechita and kill the animal on Yom Tov and then both people will eat it. So is that permitted or not? See, if I, if only a Jew owns it, then of course it's allowed because Jew's going to eat it. Um, and But in this case, um, because half of it, is not yours, so is that permitted? So uh, Ravuna answered Avya the elder. He said it's, it's permitted. Now he asks a good question. Rya the elder said, Isn't this the same as um, slaughtering voluntary offerings in the Betamikdash, which we said is not allowed, according even according to Bethileel? in the interpretation of Ula, right? And that seems to be the, 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 the main opinion. So even Betilel does not allow off, uh, these types of offerings. And these are Shelamim. These are offering peace offerings, which means that part of it goes on the Mizbeach and part of it, the owner eats. And so that's kind of like the same thing. It's an animal that's in partnership and the Jew eats part of it and the rest goes to the bet uh, to the Mizbeach. So if, that's, if this is allowed uh, between a Jew and a non-Jew, then um, all the more so, it should be allowed if it's uh, c- comparable to but, um, something owned by a regular Jew, and the rest is, is to the Mizbeach. And Ravuna's answer is: look, a bird over there. Look at that raven. In other words, he's changing the subject. He's distracting it of Yasava. He doesn't want to answer the question. Okay, so this is kind of like a, a, a little comic relief here. So then, Rav Avya left. His distraction worked, and he, he he was talking about other things, and he didn't answer the question. So when he left, Rav Hunah's son said, "Wasn't that Rav Avya, the elder? And you 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 praised him. You said he was he's a great sage. So how come you treated him like that and you changed the subject?" Usually, you do that to someone who's unworthy and you don't want to bother spending time, or they're not going to understand what you're saying. And so, you give them a, a simple answer. But he's a great, the governor he's a great man. How come you didn't give him an answer? He says, What can I do? I'm exhausted. And he quotes the Pasuk from Shira Shirim. Let me lean against the tree. Let me crouch uh, among the apple trees. In other words, I've been busy all day and working and teaching, maybe taught all day from the for a, 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 a long shiur. He has other responsibilities. And this is a very subtle matter and it requires a lot of reason and explanation. And I just didn't have the head for it. So that's why it wasn't meant to be an insult to him. I just didn't answer it. All right, so that's the story. But now we want to know what what is the difference between the two cases. So regarding an animal that's jo- that's jointly owned, anytime if you want to eat even one kezait, you have to do shechita on the whole thing. Even if I own the whole animal and I want to eat uh, one steak, so I have to do shechita on the whole whole animal. There's no way I can't just take part of it. And so in any case, you know, and I'm not gonna eat all the, every part of the fats and all the parts of the animal and then anyway. So therefore I'm permitted to do shechita on an entire big cow, even if I'm only gonna eat part. And therefore it doesn't matter that part of it is owned by the Nanju. The Nanju will take his half and he'll do whatever he wants with it. He can make his own barbecue. It has nothing to do with me. The shechita itself is permitted because I need it for what I want. Good. This is an amazing answer regarding communal or peace offerings, not communal, regarding peace offerings that are voluntary, that one takes part of it, um, the Kohanim eat part of it, the owner eats part of it, those are not jointly owned. It's not that I have half and uh, the Kohanim have half and the mizbeach has has its part. No, really... Um, it's um, it's really the shulchan gavoa kazakhu. Um, I'm giving the whole animal to gavoa to Hashem, and then from that, the law says that Hashem grants us the Kohanim and the owners permission to take to take part of it. But it's not. I don't even own it at all. I'm really giving the whole thing, and uh, and uh, as if the mishkan is sharing some with us. And so therefore, when I, at the time I do shechita, I'm doing shechita on an animal that wholly belongs to Hashem and not to me. And that's why that is not permitted, um, um, or only if it's an obligatory offering, and like we saw in the past few days. And that's the difference between a communal offering. So this is really important to conceptualize. I'm not eating my own animal when I bring a, sh- a shalamim. It's kind of like Hashem is inviting me to his meal to share um, along as his guest. And that's a very nice way to think think of it. Okay, now, now that we mentioned that, (laughs) uh, 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 I agree with that, that an uh, animal jointly owned by a Jew and non Jew, you can do shechita. The reason we just gave. You have to do shechita on a whole animal, even if you only want just one olive size. Risa, however, A dough, which is jointly owned by a Jew and non-Jew. I'm not allowed to put it in the oven and bake it. Because in that case, I can divide it. I go to my partner. I said, listen, you know, it's Yom Tov today. I can't cook on your behalf. So let's split it. And you take your half. And I'm going to take my half. And then I can bake my half separately. So since there is a way for me to um, do the mila'cha. that's only mine uh, and not have to cook for him. Uh, therefore, that I have to do that and I can't cook for him. That's different from an animal where you can't split an animal before you uh, do shechita. You have to do it on the entire thing. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, here, However, we have an objection to this, uh, this law that dough cannot be separated. We're going to quote a long um, mishnah. That uh includes this law and says the opposite. Mativ Rab Hanan ben Hanilai lisat kelavim bezman she'adoin ochlin mimena hayevet be be challah umarbin ba umistatefin ba umbarachin aleha umzaminin aleha ve'neefet be yom tov ve'adam yoseh ba yedeh chovato be pesach. So here we have a dough that is made with your intention that you're going to feed it to the dogs. In other words, it's very coarse, like super whole wheat. Um, but it's edible to human beings. The shepherds, you know, they're, 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 uh, they're uh, taking care of the, the sheep with the dogs. And so the shepherds would eat it too. So it's not really horrible bread. Um, so it is edible to humans. So it's kind of like similar um, to the previous case where it would, might be eaten by both humans and the dogs. So what is the status of this dough? You have to take challah. Because since it is somewhat edible to human beings, you have to take chala. Um, and you have to do, you can use it for an eduv. Um, you can use it for a shituf mevo'at. In other words, it's considered like a human meal. And you can put it in one person's courtyard to join all the courtyards. You say a beracha on it. You can say zimun and berkat on it. You can cook it on Yom Tov. So that's what we're going to talk about. And you can use it, if you make it as chames, uh, as, as matzah, you can use it on Pesach. And now here's our question. It, why don't you say the same logic in this case that I can separate it so that I'll say, okay, this portion is for the human beings, the shepherds, and that portion is for the dogs. And in that case, um, I would not be allowed to bake the whole thing on Yom Tov because since part of it is gonna be in by dogs, so I'm not, I have to separate it first. And I can't bake the entire thing, just like the case of when it was owned uh, jointly by a Jew and a non-Jew. That's the question, and the answer is when it's uh, when I'm making the dough for a dog, I have in the back of my mind, you know what? If I get a, a, a if an animal dies and I find it, you know what? I'll feed that dead animal the Nevela, to a dog. It's not kosher anyway. I can't eat it. And that way, I'll fill up the dogs with that, since it's worthless to me. And then the humans will eat the entire dough. So when I, even when I'm making the dough, there is a possibility that the entire dough will be eaten by humans. And therefore, um, I don't have to split it up. That's different from the one that's half owned by a Jew and half owned by a non-Jew, where the non-Jew is for sure going to take his half and go ahead and eat it. So in that case, I have to separate it. In this case, I don't. Okay, so this would be the answer, and this is all, um, uh, this was a, a challenge to Rav Chistah, so this, we're going to, we, we gave that answer for Rav Chistah. Um Here's the problem. Does Rav Chistah have this principle that you say since, no, no, since there's a possibility that a Nevelah may, may show up, so therefore I'm allowed to do it right now, even though right now there's no nevela. Rav in another case does not use the principle of ho'il. What's that other case? You're probably familiar with it. Someone who cooks on Yom Tov for the next day—that's chol. Um, so you're not allowed to do that, preparing from one day to the next. Rav says if you did it, you get malkut. Raba says you don't get uh, lashes. What's the reason? Let's explain Raba first, it's easier. Raba says, you don't give lashes to the person, even though he shouldn't do that, because um, we say the principle of since. Since guests might come, who knows? So, and then I'll have a lot of food. So therefore, even on Yom Tov, I can cook a big meal a lot of food for 20 people, even though I'm not expecting any guests, because once in a while, surprise guests happen to come and uh, they right went for a walk and they come over. So since I could be possible, therefore I don't get flogged. Rav Chista disagrees and he says, we do not say this principle of since, it's only a, a possibility, therefore that permits me to do it even now. So you say that since Rav Chista does not have the since principle in that case of cooking from Yom Tov to Chol, so too, he, he will not agree with this answer that we gave here for him that he that would say that since um, an animal may die and I find a nevela and I could feed that to the dogs and therefore I would eat the whole dough, the whole bread myself um, but that's only uh, a remote possibility and he doesn't take that into account so rather in the answer we gave for him take out the it's possible that. An animal will 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 come that I'll find a nevela. Ela right, The talking about a case where I know that there's a nevela out there, and I know that I can um, uh, uh, feed that to the dogs. So therefore, even while I am uh, cooking this uh, this coarse dough, although generally it's kind of fit for uh, dogs dog uh, food. Um, nevertheless the dogs uh, have their own food and and um, the shepherds may very well eat the entire dough so as long since that's the um, most likely outcome it's all going to be human food and that's why it's allowed and I don't have to split it in that case all right so we kind of uh, watered down the answer so much to a case where the dogs are not going to eat it um, but I suppose that still uh, is has some applicability that you know once once I do it for, for humans and humans could eat it, then um, um, perhaps you could give some to the dogs as well. All right, and now <clears throat> we have uh, a related question. <inaudible> One time, there's a uh, Jewish residents of a certain village, um, the, uh, some soldiers came and uh, and they said, you um, have to supply us with with bread, right? So the military comes and they come to live uh, in, a, in a in a place, and then the residents have to provide bread for them. And it happened to be over Yom Tov. Yom Tov. So now the Jewish the residents are asking Rav what should we do? We have these non Jewish Jewish soldiers who are we are ordered to feed. Okay, fine, we're fine with doing that, but by cooking on Yom Tov, we're cooking for non Jews. So is that allowed? Or well, we have to tell them, sorry, we can't do it for you on Yom Tov. You have to see if they're nice soldiers or mean soldiers. If they would give a bre- bread to a child and they wouldn't mind, right? And so if any of the, if the soldiers you know, wouldn't mind sharing some of their bread with a Jewish kid, that is permitted because for each and every uh, loaf, you could say, "Well, I'm baking this one. Maybe, maybe they'll share it with one of the kids. Um, soldiers, they like uh, little kids. It maybe reminds them of their kid, reminds them of their kids at home. And then it would be okay. But if the soldiers are mean and they would not allow themselves and they would not share it with the Jewish kids, then you, you're cooking only for them, and that is prohibited. So um, according to this, basically mixed use would be permitted. Question." Joel, you have a question? Yeah, I, I was having a hard time unmuting. Um, okay, so is this considered arma for the person to say, I'm gonna bake it and then I'm gonna eat some of it. And if the soldiers eat, they eat. Um, right, that's that's the very question. It seems that this is a little more than that because you know, when I'm baking this particular loaf, it's possible that this entire loaf they will be given to the, the child, right? because they have a lot. Um, and so since it's a possibility, uh, then I can rely on that possibility. So um, yeah, it I'm is saying, a bit I'm of a trick. Suppose, I'm saying, suppose that you, you say, I'm gonna bake a whole bunch of breads, right? I'm gonna mm-hmm. take one of them and eat it myself. Right, um, but you, but you know for sure which one. If you you know don't know. Which one, that's, that's, that's exactly the point. You don't know, right? You know, one of them you're yeah, going to take. Right. You have to, yeah, you can't designate which one it's going to be. It has to be like on a random that it could be any of them. Right. Right. It's just that a couple of days ago, I know you said that, you know, if it's Arma, it's worse because then you're like trying trickery, right? Yes. Um, okay. That's true. And uh, some cases trickery is not allowed. Uh, in some cases, we do make a loophole. Um, And you could see that this was must have been uh, extreme circumstances with the soldiers there, and you don't want to be on their bad terms. So, um, you know, I'm sure he looked for some way to permit it. Um, But yes, that's exactly the you know, that's exactly what we're struggling with here this dual use. So this, according to him, it's okay. Um, Your question is really the next question of the Talmud, because here we have a challenge to that. One time you have the Shim'on, he's not Temani, he's not a Yemenite, but rather there's a city in Israel called Timna, it's mentioned in, in Tanakh. Um, so he's an early, uh, early, early tanna, and he didn't come to the Beit midrash one day. So his friend, uh, the Biudah Ben Baba, said, "How come he didn't come? Or maybe it was a teacher." he um, says, "How come? Where were you? You were absent." He's checking on him. Um, he said, "Well, here's what happened. A military unit came, a baleshet kol and came on a search mission. I guess they're, you know, they're in charge of collecting taxes or." You know, searching for yet other things. Maybe they're officially collecting taxes, but they do an extra fine job and take more for themselves. Um, and so they're about to come and pillage our city. And so here's what we did: we killed a calf for them and fed them some good steaks, and they left us in peace. So we're able to bribe them, and and uh, you know that we distracted them with the with these steaks. Okay. Now that day was a Yom Tov. That's probably particularly why he asked. You know, usually the the, the rabbi would give a public lecture on Yom Tov and everyone was expected to be there. So he's like, what happened? Why weren't you there? Okay, so he explains he saved the day. So he thought he did a good thing. But the Rav Yehuda said, It says, your what you benefited by getting those uh, this, these uh, soldiers away is uh, is going to be outweighed by what you're going to lose because you now violated the Torah law. The Torah says you can only eat that which is good. Lachem, right? Ach yachel nefesh levado lachem that only what you're going to eat and not what non-Jews are going to eat. You can't cook for a non-Jew. On the holiday, you can only cook for the benefit of celebrating the holiday. So only for Jews who are celebrating the holiday. So now, yeah, you saved. You know, you won the you won the battle, but you're going to lose the war. Okay, pretty harsh words. And here the point is that even though they might eat it also, the Jews might eat some of it also, right? They they killed the whole calf, and so what? The Jew just has to eat a little bite, and that would be sufficient to say we killed the calf. For the Jews and for the non-Jews, and that's okay. Um, so what is the problem? How come he is more machmir and doesn't allow this, you know, loophole? Uh, whereas Ravuna here permitted the loophole. So, and this is Ravuna's an Amorah, this is a braita, So, Ravuna is gonna have to answer for this. Amarav Yosef, I Oh, that case it was a non-kosher uh, 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 uh cow. I was t- if I was going to die, so therefore it was only suitable to be eaten by the non-Jews and the Jew really couldn't eat it. And that's why it was a problem. Okay, so basically we're agreeing with Rav Huna. But next question, they could have took taken, the Jews could have taken a piece of it and given it to their pet dogs. And then that would be permitted to give it to their dogs. So it's now, it's, well, now we're assuming that you are allowed to make food for your pet. Um, which is interesting because above, it sounded like you weren't uh, allowed to. And well, but anyway, this would answer the question. This would actually um, uh, bring up, bring back up the question. And because according to this, it would be, um, why didn't they, why do you say such harsh words? Why couldn't the answer and say, well, we know we killed it for the, for give a piece to the dog and that's permitted. And then the rest will be for the soldiers and who cares? So the answer is Tanaehi. It's actually two opinions among the Tana'im about whether you're allowed to prepare food for your pet. The Tanya, you're allowed to cook for yourselves. Shema nefesh. So on the one hand, it says, nefesh, whatever is good for any, any being um, you can make for yourselves. So from the word, any being, that's an inclusive term. And that would mean even, The word nefesh doesn't only mean a human being. It also means any being, as we see in the Pasuk in Vayikra, someone who kills the, the being of an, an animal being um, has to pay for it. So uh, so I would have thought, maybe I'm allowed to cook for animals. Tamod lachem. So the word lachem is exclusionary. He says, no, you cannot. You can only cook um, for humans and not for dogs. However, So the Akiva says, no, even animals I'm allowed to cook for. And so the word lachem comes to exclude that I can't cook for non-Jews, but I can cook for an animal. Now, what's the difference? Why would you include animals but exclude um, non-Jews? The difference is, I'm going to include a, a dogs because they are I'm responsible for them, right? They are dependent on me. I'm their owner, and they can't they can't go to the store and buy food. Right, So I have to. They're part of my household. Um, Whereas the non-Jews, I'm not responsible to feed them. They can go get their own food. And therefore, um, I don't have to cook for them. Therefore, I'm not allowed to cook for them. And that would be the difference. So this would um, explain why um, earlier in in, in the Talmud, we were assuming that if you cook for the dogs, it's not good. Um, but here we um, we we did provide one one uh, um, we saw one uh, response that says, "Wait, how come they could cook for they could cook for dogs? So it should be allowed? No, but it must be that Rabbi Huda followed the other opinion that said Rabbi Yose that says you're not allowed to cook for dogs, and that's why um, he gave them he gave him a hard time and said you should not have killed this calf for the soldiers because it was a non-kosher one." And so it would not be permitted for the Jews. And um, also he thinks that you cannot cook for dogs. And so that's why in that case, he said, you should not have killed the calf, not even for, not not for those soldiers. So there's no loophole in that case. And that would resolve that the question, because in Rav Huna's case, there was a resolution. Some of those uh, loaves of bread could have been eaten by Jewish kids. And so that's fine. If they if they could be in, that's fine. But if they couldn't be in, like it wasn't kosher, then it would not be allowed. Okay, so um, that resolves that question now. According to the beosegali who we just saw, who is stringent and said you're allowed to cook for yourselves, but not for dogs. Well, here's the question: what about the pits? Of the of dates um, on Yom Tov, how can we throw them out? In other words, when if you think that you, dog food is okay, so then these pits that I, that we, we finished with, um, so even since they can be used for dogs, so they're not Mukse, so therefore we're allowed to handle them. So after we're done with them and they're on the t- on the table, then we can clean off the table and put them somewhere else um, because they're still useful to feed to the dogs. But if you say, I'm not allowed to do anything on Yom Tov uh, for the benefit of dogs, then they become mukseh as soon as I'm done with them, because they're not human food anymore. So his answer is, they are still fit for human use because I can use them as fuel to burn. I can throw them in the fire. And you're allowed to um, have fuel for make fuel for fire uh, on Yom Tov. And therefore, I can still clean them up and they're not mukseh that's fine for dry um, uh, dried uh, pits but that are flammable but ones that are still moist that you put them in the fire they're not going to burn what about those a big fire that if it's, it's hot enough that will dry them out and they'll burn and that's okay. All right, that's good on Yom Tov when you're allowed to make a fire. On Shabbat, you're not allowed to add fuel to a fire. So then that, in that case, what would be the use of the, of the date pits? And then how could you clean them? So on Shabbat, what you have to do is you'd have to take the date pits after you're done with them, put them on a piece of bread. And then um, since the bread is not mukse, when I want to clean it off, I just take the entire piece of bread and then I take it, I take it into the kitchen and um, I could dispose of the pits, not the bread. I mean, the bread's still fine. The bread's still edible. So I'm not doing anything wrong uh, with the bread. And that's uh, that's a loophole. That's a way to um, be able to dispose of them. Uplika, uh, Ben Levi, Ben Levi, Menina Okay. Now, what we said above, which um, which is that Ravuna, Ravuna, who said that I'm allowed to cook the the, the the bread for the sold non-Jewish soldiers, since some of if some of the Jew, some of it will be eaten by the Jewish kids, and so the mixed uh, use is permitted. That's Ravuna's opinion, but it does not agree with Rabbi Yishua ben Levi. Because he says that you can, you are allowed to invite invite a non-Jew for Shabbat meal, but you may not invite a non-Jew for a Yom Tov meal, because you may come to add more food for his sake on Shabbat when you're not cooking at all. You're just heating up food that was already cooked, and so therefore there's no problem. You're not, and you're not cooking for yourself. You're not cooking for anyone. So non-Jews can come and they'll uh, enjoy the meal with you, but. On, on Yom Tov, when you're allowed to cook only for a Jew, and um, now you might come and say, oh, who's coming? You know, our non-Jewish neighbor, I know he likes uh, apple pie, so I'm going to go make him an apple pie, right? Because I want to give him honor. No, that's a problem, because then I'm cooking only for him. And so you see that the Yashor Ben Levi is, takes the more stringent approach um, compared to Rav Hunah. Okay, by the way, the halakha is is like this, it's stringent. It is a problem to invite a non-Jew over um, uh, on Yom Tov. Um, We'll see, yeah. Um, However, yeah, we'll see more about it. Okay, hold on, hold on to that a Shabbat not allowed to invite a non-Jew even for a Shabbat meal. You know why? Because you're gonna you're gonna offer, offer wine and you pour everybody wine and then this non-Jew in those days most of them were idolaters um, is gonna have some wine in his left in his in his glass and if a non-Jew touches wine then it becomes It's prohibited and then you can't even clean off his his cup because now it's Mukse. there's no use for you. Um, okay, so that's his question. Uh, that's his a statement uh, so you cannot you wouldn't be able to invite even for Shabbat. hold on then even our cups. you know what's uh, if when you, someone's finished with a cup with the leftovers at the bottom are disgusting. nobody else is going to drink that wine the, the leftover wine at the bottom. And so you say that's Mukse also. no didan for hours you can you can feed it to the chickens. Uh, the extra wine at the bottom. Uh, it's disgusting for humans, but chickens are fine with it. So fine, so the non-Jews uh, uh, leftover wine, also you could feed to the chickens. No. Those, because it's uh, it could be that would be prohibited even to get any benefit from it, so you wouldn't not be able to even give it to the chicken. Says no use, and therefore it, you wouldn't be able to clean off the table, and that's why you can't invite them in the first place. Oh, wait a second! We can clean off the table another way. You're allowed to take the glass, right? Their, their, their glass is not is usable. I want to use it for something else. I'll wash it out, and I wanna I wanna drink from it myself, so I can handle the the leftover wine. Um, because it's being held by the cup, which is permitted. Right? Didn't Ava say that you can take a kanuna, is a um, a, a coal pot? Um, it's a pot here on the bottom that we put coals in it and use it use it to heat up water. So this the thing. After I'm done with it in the pot, there'll be ashes. Now ashes, people would use to. Um, to use for for covering things to 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 uh, you know to to clean up if there's dirt on the floor you put ashes on it so ashes are not mukseh but the pot is mukseh because you can't cook on Shabbat and he said that I'm allowed to um, move this pot because the ashes are permitted so as long as you're and even if there are uh, pieces of wood in it and the pieces of wood are mukseh they have no use I'm allowed to carry the whole thing because in it as something that is permitted. So therefore, as long as you have a mixture of things that are not mukseh and mukseh, you're allowed to move it. And so the same thing should be with this uh, cup with uh, leftover wine from the Nanju. I should be able to move it because the cup is not mukseh, right? No. who those are, yeah, that's just mukse. This is a higher level of mukse because I'm not allowed to derive any benefit from that wine. So It's interesting, the fact that you can't derive benefit from it means that it's even a higher level of mukse, and I cannot move it, not even together with its own cup. Wait, you should still be allowed to move it just like you can move a chamber pot. A chamber pot is it has no use, but the rabbis gave special permission to move it out because it's disgusting, it's smelly. And so you want to get it out of your living room, that's permitted. So this should be the same thing. It's disgusting to have dirty glasses on your table. You want them out of there. Okay, but that's different. A chamber pot, you know, if there's someone that lives in your house who needs a chamber pot, okay, what could you do? But you don't, on purpose... Uh, set up a situation where you're gonna have it in your house. and so here so that's you know that you have a choice. but here you have a choice. you don't have to invite this non Jew in the first place. Um, so there don't don't set yourself up for such a situation where you can, where you can have dirty cups on the table and then you're gonna to have to move them because they're disgusting, disgusting. so therefore just don't get into this into the problem to begin with. All right and we, um, we finally we have the, the bottom line. Um, uh, Rava authorized Muel to give the public lecture. And he said as follows: whatever whatever a sage would say in a public lecture, that became known as Halakhalama said. That's where everybody would have to be there. Um, and he said, even despite everything we said, all these problems, you are allowed to invite a Danju on Shabbat and you'll figure out how to deal with the mukser problem. <speaking in Hebrew> but not, you cannot invite the non Yom Tov because <speaking in Hebrew> you're going to go and make a special dish for him in his honor. <speaking> in <Hebrew> so here's a way out of it. So if Um, These two sages, if a non-Jew came to their house on Yom Tov, they would tell him, listen, you're invited to eat, you're invited to eat with us, but just know that we're not, whatever we worked, whatever we prepared, if you're good with that, then that's fine, because we're not going to do any extra work for you. Okay, they're saying this so that the person won't get insulted. Usually it's in some important uh, non-Jewish friend. Uh, or politician whoever. and so usually you'd make something special if you if you tell him that, listen you know you came over if you're happy with what we what we um, already prepared then you're welcome to come but we can't we're not allowed to prepare anything special for you and if he's okay with that then you can invite him in because then you don't have a worry that you're going to go ahead and make something special for them so this is also halakha um that if, uh, you know, now you happen, non-Jew happens to be passing by and wasn't invited, so you did not have him in mind, so then you can buy in the even discuss whether you actually have to say this formula out loud, or the point is that it's implicit. If he just came over, so then he knows that he, not, you didn't make anything special for him, right? He just popped in last minute, and so that would be permitted. Another thing that's permitted is also if you have non-Jewish uh, help. In the house, a housekeeper, because in that case, you know that she's eating whatever is prepared already, and we're not making a special dish off on her account. So that would be permitted as well. Okay, so very interesting and practical. And next Mishnah, Bet Shammai Adam Chamin Raglav Elam says, You're not allowed to heat up water to wash your feet. You want to wash your feet in warm water? Not allowed, unless they are fit for drinking. So according to Bet Shema, you're allowed to heat up water for drinking, only something that's ochel nefesh, but not for other purposes. Bet Hillel, Matilin, they say it's okay. So Bet Hilal has the principle that since you're allowed to heat up water for the purpose of drinking, it's also permitted for other uses. So therefore, they can go ahead and take water and, and warm it up specifically to warm your uh your feet. Um, even though you're not going to drink any of it. Betilel says it's totally fine, Bet Shemai says no. And then we have a last line. It's not clear if Betilel is saying this or if everyone's saying this, that you can make. A big fire to get warm. So this fire, again, is not made for eating and drinking. It's not for cooking, but only for yourself to have heat. So um, we're going to see that this is only the opinion of Betilel because it's not a food-related need. Now, question. ha <inaudible> So that's a question. This last line, who says it? Maybe even bet shamai would agree that you can make a large bonfire and he makes a difference between something that benefits your whole body. In that case, that's like, your whole body is, is getting warm, and that's permitted. Whereas the first one is only one limb, only your legs, and so that in that case you would say in that case you would say no. So maybe Bet Shemai would agree with this last law. Or maybe this is a continuation of Bet words that not only can you do a heat up water for your legs, but also a, a big fire for your whole body. And Bet Shemai would not agree with it. That's our question. And the answer is Tashema Bet-Shemayi Omerim, Lo yaaseh adam edura v'yitchamem kenegda, U bet matirin, bet says you cannot make a big fire for heat, and bet says you are allowed. So you see that this is this halacha is only according to Bet-Hilel. Bet-Shemayi requires all you making a, to make a fire only for food. Okay, good. Um, one halacha lemaseh aspect here is Bet-Hilel says you can warm up food for your legs. Now, for your feet, Why now why your feet? What if you want to wash your whole body? Well, in the olden days, they didn't wash their whole bodies on a regular basis. You know, maybe once a week, they went to the bathhouse. but they would wash their feet on a regular basis. So therefore, um, you need, in order to be, for it to be allowed, has to be, you, 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 to, if it's not for food, has to be something that's something that most people um, do and most people enjoy and get benefit from. And so since most people wash their feet every day, so Betilel would allow that. But in the olden days, he may not have allowed washing your entire body and, um, and heating up more water for that because it's not a, a general need. Um, so that's um, that would be, seem to have been the law back then. So now the question is how about nowadays where most people do take a shower or a bath, uh, uh, warm uh, warm one every day. So now, does that change the definition of Shavei and make it permitted to um, bathe um, on Yom Tov, one's entire body? And there are different opinions among the Poskim in that regard. Okay, let's just do the Mishnah, the next one, and we'll leave the discussion for tomorrow. The Mishnah says, ki machmir bet shamai. So Rabban Gamaliel, even though he was part of the line of the Nasi and from part of the, the line from Hillel. So in general, he did follow Hillel like the rest of the rabbis did. Nevertheless, regarding three things, he was stringent like Bet Shammai. Here's number one. So you have hot water. This is related to the previous Mishnah that you have on Yom Tov. You heat it up on Yom Tov. And let's say the next day is Shabbat. And you want to have hot water for Shabbat. So the way to do that would be that you take the pot and you insulate it so that it'll stay warm for the next day. Now that still looks like you're preparing from Shabbat to Yom, from Yom Tov to Shabbat. So Bet Shammai says no, you can't do that um, on Yom Tov for Shabbat. Uh, many versions of the Mishnah do not have the word Lechatechila. Doesn't really make, doesn't really add anything. Okay, so that's one thing. The Gemara will discuss it. You cannot put together a menorah on Yom Tov. Let's say say the pieces fell fell apart of your candelabrum. You can't put it back together. Bet Shemai thinks that would be called binyan, building. He says there is uh, such a thing as building, um, even with vessels. And you cannot make these very thick loaves of bread. And that's the reason there, because it requires a lot of work to make it rather, you could only make thin, um, thin loaves. Okay, so those are the three things. He says in my father's house, uh, the previous nasi, they would never make thick loaves, rather, only thin lo- thin ones, because even though you're allowed to cook on yom tov, you can't do a lot of work. You should you should do a lot of work, although these are all bet shamai bet hilol would permit all of these things and they told him they told bangamliel what what can we do with your father's house they were very stringent upon themselves but they were lenient for others um so that they would bake thick loaves the, everyone else they would allow to bake thick loaves um uh, even on uh, on coals so you see this is interesting the reason it seems the reason that the was tolerated for for following Bet Shammai. Generally, you're not supposed to. I mean, at some point, no, you know, they they made a declaration. You can't follow Bet Shammai anymore. But they 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 tolerated it because they only did it for themselves. They're stringent for themselves. But if anyone came and asked them, "Is this the halacha for everyone else?" They would say, "No, we're we're stringent on ourselves." But for everyone else, they said follow bet Hilal and follow the lenient opinion. So sometimes they would make a distinction. And so it's um, okay to be stringent on oneself as long as you don't declare that to be the halacha that everyone else also has to do it. And we'll see the discussion of this Mishnah tomorrow. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen.